Well, this morning we begin a new study in the New Testament through the book of 2 Peter. I encourage you to turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Peter. And this morning we will be just looking at the first four verses of the book. This letter was written toward the end of Peter's life. And we know that because in chapter 1, verses 13 through 15, Peter tells us that. Uh, from documents written outside of the New Testament, uh, biblical scholars believe that Peter died in A.D. 68. 1 Peter, his first letter, was most likely written in A.D. 64. So this letter most likely is written at the end of A.D. 64, sometime between 64 and 68. In the book, Peter encourages Christians to mature to grow in their knowledge of Jesus Christ so that Jesus Christ's life is replicated through them. We find that he will talk about false teachers of the day. Men and women who are teaching that it doesn't make any difference how the Christian lives. That Christian liberty means that a Christian can do whatever they want. We also will see that Peter is talking to believers, encouraging them to be faithful to Jesus Christ in hard times, in difficult times. And he calls upon Christians to walk in maturity, even when doctrine, the teachings of the Bible, are being challenged. And he encourages his readers to find encouragement in the fact that Jesus is coming back. And as we go through this book, we're going to see that one of the major themes through the book of 2 Peter is knowledge. Knowledge of the Father, knowledge of the Son. And we're going to see that this knowledge about which Peter talks is not just intellectual facts. But rather, Peter challenges his readers that knowing Jesus Christ, being in relationship with the person of Jesus Christ, should be making a difference in everyday life. I'm going to read the first four verses. You can follow along in your copy of the Bible. Simon Peter a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world by lust. Right from the very beginning of this short letter, this epistle, we find Peter encouraging his readers, his hearers, 
of the importance of knowing the person of Jesus Christ. Experiencing the person of Jesus Christ. Knowing him in such a way that it's making a difference in everyday life. You see, for the Christian, the the Christian should be thinking through a different grid. Our priorities should be different. The follower of Jesus Christ should have a lifestyle that differs from those who do not follow Jesus Christ. Even down to the very practical, everyday decisions of how we spend our time. What our marriage looks like. How we spend our money. All of these things should differ from the life of a Christian to that of one who stands in rejection of the person of Jesus Christ. Several years ago, I had the privilege of spending some time working with a man who was a brand new believer in Jesus Christ. So encouraging to be with people who have a new faith. And as we met from week to week, he shared with me one day, he was thinking about making a major purchase. And the words that he said really made a mark on me. He said, it's not that I can or cannot do this. The question I'm wrestling with is, should I do this? And in the context of what we were talking about, I knew exactly what he meant. He meant, now that I am a Christian, should I spend my money this way? You see, he never would have asked that that question before he came to faith in Christ. Being a Christian, knowing more and more of the person of Jesus Christ, should be making a difference in every aspect of our lives. And that's what Peter's message is to us today. That's how he introduces this little book of 2 Peter. Actually, we don't see it in our English translations, but verses 1 through 4 is one long sentence. We're going to break it up in two sections. We're going to begin by looking at verses 1 and 2, and then look at verses 3 and 4. And in verses 1 and 2, in the very introduction of the book, Peter is going to challenge us that knowing Jesus, meaning growing in our relationship with him, is our means of enjoying grace and peace. And we're going to talk more about that. What we need the most today in our lives is grace and peace. And Peter's message to us is that's possible. We can be growing and experiencing more and more grace, more and more peace in our lives. How? By knowing more of Jesus Christ. Peter begins in verse 1 by identifying himself. He says, Simon Peter. We are first introduced to Simon Peter, sometimes just referred to as Simon, sometimes as Peter, in the Gospels. For example, in Mark Chapter 1, verses 16 through 18, it tells us that as Jesus was going along, he called Simon and his brother Andrew to follow him. And they did. And then they came across James and John and asked them to follow him. 
And so we find that Simon Peter here is one of the very first followers of Jesus Christ, one of the apostles, one of the twelve. In fact, Peter, going on in verse 1, is going to identify himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ. If you'd like to more look up and read in your Bible more about what it means to be an apostle, I would encourage you to look up passages like Ephesians chapter 2 verse 20, Hebrews chapter 2 verses 3 and 4, and 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 12. Ephesians 2.20, Hebrews chapter 2 verses 3 and 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 12. And in those passages we see that an apostle was one who had first-hand witness of the person of Jesus Christ. They were with Jesus. They saw his ministry. And the apostles were specially equipped, enabled supernaturally to demonstrate God's power to a world that desperately needed to hear the good news. Once in a while today, you'll hear somebody say, well, I have the gift of apostleship, to which I quickly say, no, you don't. Did you walk with Jesus Christ? Did you see Jesus Christ? Were you a first-hand witness of his ministry? And people use that term loosely today. That's not how Peter is using it. Peter is saying that he has the authority as one of the twelve. He has an apostleship. But it's interesting to note in verse 1, when he describes himself here at the end of his life, He's not claiming his authority as an apostle as utmost of importance. Rather, he calls himself, first of all, a bondservant. Sometimes that word is used in Greek writings to refer to someone who sells themselves into slavery, maybe to pay off a debt. And here, Peter's point is this. Even though I have the authority as an apostle... Ultimately, I am a servant of the person, Jesus Christ. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours. Most likely, Peter's writing to a a mixed audience of Jews and Gentile believers in Jesus Christ. At this time, at this period of this writing, there would have been some friction between Jews and Gentiles. Jews sometimes not really thinking that Gentiles were quite on the same level of spirituality as they are because they did not follow Old Testament law. And yet here, Peter is saying, I have the same faith that you do, Jewish Christian. I have the same faith that you do, Gentile Christian. I have the same faith that you do, one who's not an apostle and I am. You see, all of us have the same faith. It's that faith in the person of Jesus Christ, that he is God, that he died on the cross as payment for our sin, and rose again from the dead, proving that he is God. And Peter says, we have that as a common bond. It's not like my faith is any better than your faith. We are all in this together. We have a common faith in the person of Jesus Christ. Notice what Peter says about that faith. To those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours. 
We're going to spend a moment talking about Ephesians 2, 8, 9 this morning. Remember when the Apostle Paul refers to our, our salvation, he says, For by grace we have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, lest any man should boast. Paul's point is, our entire salvation is a gift of God's grace. Here, Peter says, our faith we have received as a gift. There's no room in the life of a Christian for a Christian to have spiritual pride thinking, well, you know, the reason why I'm a follower of Jesus is I had more insight into my need for a Savior. Or I, I had more of a moral attunement to the things of God than somebody else. That's why I put my faith in Jesus. No. We believe in Him because of His grace. Nothing in and of ourselves caused us to somehow wise up and put our faith in the person of Jesus Christ. Peter says we're all in this together. We have a common faith that we've received by grace. The same kind as ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. By that act by which Jesus Christ brings sinners to himself. Notice the end of verse 1. It's one of the strongest verses in the New Testament saying that Jesus is God. Referring to Jesus, it says, our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now with that introduction, here's Peter's introduction to the message of the book. Verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. In the New Testament, grace is used a couple of ways. Sometimes grace is used to refer to our salvation. For example, in the verse that we just talked about, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9... That's talking about grace is demonstrated in God giving us a gift that we do not deserve. Unmerited favor. Salvation grace. But sometimes the word is used of the Lord's enabling us to live our life in a way that would be pleasing to Him. For example, in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, in that passage where... The Apostle Paul is crying out to the Lord because he is plagued in his life. He calls it a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it is. But something is in his life that makes it really hard to live. And he asked the Lord to remove this from him. And we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, the Lord's words to him, My grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. So there, the word grace is used referring to God's enablement. The Lord Jesus enabling the Christian to live in a way that's pleasing to Him. And that's how it's used here. Peter is saying, my prayer for you is that you'd experience more and more grace from Jesus. That you would find an empowerment in your life so that you can live out your faith in a way that you look like Jesus Christ. That when people see you, they see Christ in you. That's my prayer for you, that you can experience more and more grace and peace. 
If you have been a Christian for any length of time, you know that the Christian life does not mean a life free of trouble. In fact, Jesus told us, in this life we're going to have a lot of trouble. So, here, when Peter says, my prayer for you is that you'd have multiplied grace in your life and multiplied peace, he's not talking about the absence of trials. Rather, he's talking about a settled rest. That point in our lives where regardless of what we're experiencing in our everyday life, we have a settled rest that God is with us. We have a settled rest that nothing touches my life apart from his permissive will. That he is with me, that he is all about making me into the image of Jesus Christ. And what I am experiencing today in my life, he is permitted in my life to help me become more like the person of Jesus Christ. And here, Peter says, my prayer for you is that you'd experience more and more grace and peace. How? In or by the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. By knowing more of Jesus. By knowing more of Jesus. And here, when Peter is talking about knowing more of Jesus, he's not talking about more intellectual knowledge of the person of Jesus Christ. He's talking about experiencing Jesus. Knowing more of him. In the Old Testament, sometimes that word know is actually used in a very experiential way, talking about the marital relationship between a husband and wife. A man knows his wife, talking about their physical relationship. In the New Testament, that word know is sometimes used to talk about experience. For example, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, a reference to the person of Jesus Christ, it says that Jesus knew no sin, meaning he never experienced sin in his life. He never sinned. And so here, Peter is saying, my prayer for you is that you just experience wave upon wave, more, more enablement from the Lord, power from the Lord, equipping from the Lord, strength from the Lord to live a life that's pleasing to Him. And regardless of what you face in life, that you would have a greater settled rest in Him. How? By knowing more of Jesus. I'm reading a book right now authored by a man named Daniel Henderson called Old Paths, New Power. Brand new book, just came out. I first became aware of Daniel Henderson at Moody Pastors Conference in Chicago. And I went several years ago. And they bring in phenomenal Bible teachers from all over the world at Moody for Pastors Conference in May. But every morning before the sessions begin, this guy, Daniel Henderson, invites pastors to come to a small chapel and just pray together. And I found myself, as the week went on, being more enriched by those prayer times that were hosted in that small chapel than even hearing the world-famous speakers during the day. And the point of this book by Daniel Henderson is that we need to continually 
especially as pastors like myself, but all of us in the Christian faith need to continually make prayer more of the DNA of who we are and how we serve Jesus Christ. And so right now, between now and next this coming December, twice a week, I am doing a conference call, a video conference call with Daniel Henderson, kind of a mentoring with me and five other pastors, just focusing in on making prayer more of the DNA, the bare essence of who we are as pastors. We are all on a continuum. And uh, just as Peter here said, we all have the same faith. We all are in the same point of needing to be more and more seeking to know Jesus. And one of the ways we know him is by spending time with him, talking with him, coming to him in prayer. And I'm on that journey too, just like you are. And by God's grace, I'm spending more time in prayer today than I was six months ago. I had an interesting thing happen to me this week. One of my adult sons contacted me and said that he wanted to hang out with me and do some guy stuff. Now, if you still have little children, you may not totally grasp how enriching that was. But for me to have one of my adult sons say, I just want to spend some time with you, Dad. Oh, man, that was just so exciting. I did, it just thrilled my soul. Yeah, and, you know, the first thing that came to my mind when he said, I want to spend more time with you, was not thoughts like, well, it's about time. You should have been spending time with me. I'm not going to be here forever. You should spend more time with me. Or my first thought was not, well, yeah. No, it was just, I'm so glad that my son wants to be with me. And you know, as I reflected on that, it just hit me so close to my heart that if that's my response to my earthly son, how much more is that the response of our Heavenly Father to us? And I feel in my own life so many times, when I've come to, to Jesus, and when I've come to pray, I've, always, I've done it with this load of guilt before I even get there. Like this feeling like, well, I know I haven't been depending on you enough, and but I'm, I'm coming now. And just this weight of it's never enough. I haven't done enough. And I don't think Jesus views us that way. When we come into her, to his presence, if me as an earthly dad can just welcome my son into my presence, regardless of when the last time was, how much more does our heavenly father welcome us into his presence when we come to him. And here Peter is saying to all of us, each and every one of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, we need to know more of the person of Jesus Christ. We need to seek to know him more, to experience more of him. Do you remember the Apostle Paul 
in the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verse 10, wrote that very uh, well-known verse. It's hard for us to even grasp the depths of it when, when Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. There's so much in that verse. But Paul is saying that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he wants to experience that power in his life. And as Jesus suffered for who he is, Paul wants to have Jesus Christ's life seen in him so clearly that if people would hurt Jesus, they'd hurt him. And he wants to experience the reality of what it means to die to who he used to be. Just as Jesus Christ died for our sin and went into the grave, Paul tells us that at the moment of faith, we die to who we used to be. We're not the same person anymore. I'm no longer bound to my sin nature. And as Jesus came out of the grave, I rise to a new life that doesn't have to sin anymore. And here... Paul in Philippians 3.10 just says, I want to know more of the person of Jesus Christ. I want to experience him in all of his power and what he has for me. And that's what Peter is praying for you and for me. As we read this text, that's his desire for us. That is the confidence that he has as he comes to his readers as he comes to you, as he comes to me through the words of Second Peter, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, he's saying, my prayer for you is this, that you'd experience more enablement, more power in your everyday life, and that you'd have greater and greater settled rest, regardless of the circumstances in which we find ourselves. By knowing more of the person of Jesus Christ. In verses 3 and 4, Peter tells us why he can pray that prayer. He tells us why he has such confidence in asking that for us. It's because we are fully equipped to live the Christian life. Jesus has given us all that we need to grow in spiritual maturity. Do you recognize in your life that you are fully equipped to live the Christian life? You are not like my Toyota Corolla that still has manual locks and manual windows. And if I want to talk to somebody, I have to unbucket my seatbelt, reach across and roll the window down. No, you are fully equipped. You've got everything you could possibly need to live the Christian life. That's Peter's point. In fact, if you look at verse 3, he's just prayed that the grace and peace would be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that. This is how I can pray this. Seeing that His divine power, Jesus' power, has granted to us, to every follower of Him, everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. 
Everything pertaining to life and godliness. Everything that you need, everything that I need to live a life that Jesus' life is replicated through us so that when people see you, they see Jesus Christ. Everything that is marked by godliness, you have been equipped to live out your life that way. I have been equipped to live out my life that way. Everything that I need. Jesus has done it. In fact, in verse 4, it talks about the fact that by His precious and magnificent promises, we have been equipped to actually live out the divine nature so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, meaning people can see God in us. Not completely, but we can see Christ's life lived out in us. And tonight, in our community groups, as we kick off our community groups for Faith Bible Church tonight, we're going to talk about some of those promises that we can find in the New Testament that we can claim that show how we have already been equipped to live out the Christian life. Here, Peter is saying... My prayer for you is that you'll know more and more of the person of Jesus Christ. So that you can experience Jesus' power in your life. So that you can experience more and more of His equipping that you've already been equipped with. So that you can experience that settled rest in your life. Why does He have such confidence? Because He clearly sees... That his divine power has granted to us everything that we need for godliness. This week, Apple announced that the new iPhone 7 is out. I'm still using an iPhone 4S. This is about five years old. It's the first phone to have Siri. Those of you who aren't familiar with phones like this, Siri equips us to be able to ask our phone a question and get an answer. We can ask all kinds of things. Like, you can even ask sports questions. Like, I could ask my phone this. What is the best team in Major League Baseball? Let's just see what it says. The Cubs are in first place in the MLB. See? The Cubs. It's just, it's that simple. You can just ask it. I did that for Pastor Eric. Um, You can just ask it anything. It's great how this is equipped. My youngest son has, has had the same phone as me. And we were together recently and I said to Shane, well, we're probably going to have to eventually get rid of our four S's. And, and I talked to him, you know, it has been really nice to have Siri. He says, what? And he says, I, my phone doesn't have Siri. And I says, it does too, Shane. You've had this phone for five years and you didn't know you had Siri? And I took his phone and I talked into it and it answered him back. And it's like, whoa, I didn't know I could do that. Five years. You've been equipped with Siri and you didn't use it. And here Peter is saying, Each and every one of us have been equipped 
And too often we don't use it. But what we're equipped with is everything that's needed for us to live a life pleasing to the Lord. Everything that's needed for us to actually resemble Jesus Christ in every area of our life. And Peter, introducing it here, is going to continue to talk with us as we go through Second Peter about the vital necessity of knowing more and more of the person of Jesus Christ. We become more spiritually mature as we grow in our relationship with Jesus. If you're here this morning and you don't know if you are in right relationship with Jesus Christ or not, I would encourage you just to stop back by our prayer room before you leave today. One of our leaders, one of our elders from Faith Bible Church will be back there and can give you some material that help you see how you can be in right relationship with God. Or maybe you're here today and you want to just spend some time in prayer. Please avail yourself. Take advantage of the prayer room this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we have the ability to know Jesus Christ because of your grace. And we pray that you would encourage us this week that everything that we need to live the Christian life has already been granted to us. Help us to hunger in a deeper way to know more of Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.